0: passage which sue read for us uh, mainly genesis 22 but let me pray for us we thank you for gathering us together this morning we do pray as we take these moments to look at your word please speak to us this morning please take what i prepared my words and speak through them lord we do pray that we'd be built up we'd be strengthened in our faith just as abraham was strong and proven in his faith we pray we would grow strong in our faith in you for your glory and for our good we ask this in jesus name Amen. Well, I'm sure uh, for many of us, if I say the word test, for many of us that uh, might uh, bring a chill down the spine. I might bring back thoughts of uh, tests and exams from school. I can think I can still remember the exam room of some of my my exams at secondary school, and the pressure and all the preparation and cramming. And uh, test isn't something most of us enjoy when the bible speaks about being tested it doesn't so much mean a test like you might get from a teacher or a school exam it's not a test of knowledge a test of um, how much information you've stored in your head or a test of intelligences when the bible talks about tests like it does in our passage it's more testing of faith testing to prove our faith to, to grow and strengthen our faith so we'll be loyal and faithful to the lord i used to for a number of years live in bristol and there's an area in bristol called filton well, they have a, an aeroplane and an aerospace base. And one thing is known they do at that aerospace uh, base in Filton Bristol is they do uh, test aeroplanes and the engines. They pull them through rigorous testing uh, and try them uh, many times. And the reason they do that is because you want to, be sh- want to be sure when that plane comes to the runway to take off, it's going to be safe and reliable. It's going to be a trustworthy, sound uh, plane that's going to take off so people can travel in safely. They do rigorous testing on their planes and the engines so it'll be a reliable, solid uh, plane that can take off and you can be confident in it. Well, similarly, actually, the Bible says sometimes God does put his own people through tests and trials to strengthen our faith, to make it robust, and so we'll have strong faith in him to prove our faith so we'll be loyal to him. Now, today, we're reaching the the end of this uh, life story of Abraham. Abraham does appear later on in the Bible, as you'll see. But uh, here's the end of Abraham's life story in, in our series in Genesis. Today we might return to Genesis later on uh, in the year or next year sometime to finish off Genesis. And as we followed the life of Abraham, we reached the climax today. We've seen, haven't we, already Abraham had one big test he'd already gone through the he passed, which was that he and Sarah had had to wait 25 years until their promised son Isaac was born. It's a long time to wait uh, 25 years, but he did eventually pass that test, and God provided the, the promised child in Isaac. But here we have a second big test uh, when God tests Abraham, offers him to trust God with him, and to, to, it seems like, to bring the sacrifice, offer him to the Lord. So, what would God want us to learn from this story of Abraham's test? Hey, what, what could we learn from his test and his remarkable example of faith as he's now mature in faith? What can we learn from his mature faith? Uh, when we face tests and trials ourselves, which no doubt we will at times if we walk with the Lord throughout our life. The Bible says we'll face tests and trials. How can we learn and be ready from them, from what we learn from Abraham? We're going to look at this uh, count in three parts today. I've broken it up into three parts. We'll look at the situation, the test he was given. Then we'll look at how God provided for him within the test. And then we'll see the result and the outcome of the test. So there was the situation of the test, how God provided In it, and then the results and the outcome from it. I hope we're encouraged by this today. So, firstly, then the situation that that Abraham was in, it was uh, obedient faith in a surprising test. Let me describe it as obedient faith put through a surprising test. I get this from verses 1 to 2. Let me read that again for, for us. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So at the start of this chapter, Abraham is given an unexpected test. I think it's quite a surprising test. God tells him to sacrifice and offer up his son Isaac. Uh, Isaac might well be, we're not told his age, but he might well be, I imagine, about 10 years old now, maybe a bit older. So Abraham's been walking with the Lord for maybe thirty-five years now, uh, but now the time comes—a time when he's told to offer up Isaac to the Lord as a sacrifice. And I think it's a, initially quite a puzzling thing to be told today. It's puzzling for at least two reasons. Firstly, as many people have said, there's the question of the morality of it. Why? You know, how can it be right to this? How can it be right for somebody to for God to say to me, he should offer His Son"? which seems immoral, a immoral thing to be asked to do. But the second is a surprising thing, puzzling thing, because Isaac was the child of promise, and God had made all these other promises to Abraham and Sarah, and, and those promises were going to be fulfilled through the line of Isaac. So if Abraham is to offer Isaac up, then how will those promises ever be fulfilled? It seems like a puzzling thing for Abraham to do, but he obediently trusts the Lord, and he, without hesitation, does what God commands him to do. Now, the first of those questions around the morality of it, I think we can answer that quite quickly, because uh, as we see, actually in the passage, it was always intended to be a test. And while at first Abraham didn't know what was going to happen, obviously God did know what was going to happen. God knew He would intervene, and that ram would be given. So God knew, actually, Abraham wouldn't uh, carry it through. And also, as we read on in the Bible, you know, there's no actually nowhere in the Bible where God truly does command someone to sacrifice a child. Actually. Child sacrifice was explicitly forgiven in the Bible. There were other religions at the time when Abraham lived where people did do that horrible practice, but actually in the Bible it's explicitly forbidden. And God always knew that actually he was going to provide this ram and it was only a test of faith. But for Abraham, as you said, it was his second big test which he was facing. Uh, was he willing to trust the Lord with his dear son Isaac? You might have noticed as the passage is read for us, but I see that numerous times we're told, it's emphasised that Isaac was his only son and how dear he was to Abraham he loved him. Verse 2, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love. For Abraham, it must have been really hard for him. It's a difficult thing. It must cut to what for him was most dear and precious to him. It raises the question of what was first in Abraham's heart? Uh, well, it's right he loved Isaac Actually, did he love the Lord more than his only son? Was God first in his heart? Did he fear God? Was he willing to trust God in this test and obey him, or would he run the other direction? And while it was initially a puzzling, surprising test, actually, amazingly, Abraham obeyed. He passed the test. It's staggering, remarkable faith, which Abraham demonstrated as he obeyed the Lord. Abraham passed the test in remarkable faith. Now, thinking of us a bit more today... The Bible is actually quite clear that throughout history and at times today, uh, God will do faith tests and trials of our faith when God used them to grow and stretch our faith through them. I think God gives us lots of different things to help grow our faith. We can grow our faith as we read our, his word, as we get to know him better, as we get to know Jesus better, as we praise God and listen to the songs, as we exercise our faith in prayer and obedience, then our faith grows then. Maybe as you hear testimonies, from other Christians throughout the ages. As we spend time together, God uses that to grow our faith, as we do things like communion and baptism. But Also though, as well as those things, God does sometimes seems test our faith to grow it and strengthen it. Listen to these uh, passages in the New Testament where it seems to refer to these tests and trials which believers today can face. One, Peter chapter four. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice, since if you share Christ's sufferings, the author may rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Or James chapter 1, writing to people being tested Count your joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. It says that how God uses tests to bring us to maturity. One of the images the Bible seems to use of tests and trials is like of gold being refined in a fire. Or if you had gold, uh, a person who was working with gold might put it in a fireplace in, in the hot temperature and it takes all the impurities and make it a more pure peace of God. So seemingly God sometimes puts us through hard conditions to purify our faith in him. Imagine that some of you, uh, your own life, if, if we had time, to maybe later on we we'll have time, if we, if we opened up, actually some of you would have testimonies of your own times, you've been through tests and trials, and while that might have been hard, you did experience God's faithfulness and goodness and provision to you in those times, and, it, and you'd have testimonies how God brought you through it eventually. It would be interesting to hear some of the testimonies that be amongst us as a church family. Let's go back to Abraham and his test and trial. And amazingly, as he said, remarkably, he does pass the test, even though it's very difficult for him to trust God with his most precious dear son. We're told that the very next day he gets up, he doesn't hesitate, but immediately he obeys the Lord. He gets a donkey, gets some servants, he saddles the donkey up, and they go to the place God has told him to go. He obeys immediately without hesitation because now he's been walking with the Lord all these years. He's mature. In faith. Now, you might wonder what is it that enabled Abraham to have this remarkable faith? What could we learn that, from him that enabled him to do it? We'll see other things later on in our sermon, but I think three things we can draw out here that helped Abraham to have this remarkable faith. Firstly, Abraham knew God's past record of faithfulness. As you said, he'd been walking with the Lord for 35 years. He got to know God. That's a long time to get to know someone, isn't it? If you know someone for 35 years, that's a long time to get to know someone. He'd seen God's faithfulness over all those years. And he himself had proved God's faithfulness. Because Abraham himself at times had messed up and stumbled and had to be restored. But God had always been faithful to him over those 35 years. And Abraham wasn't new in faith when God asked him to do this. Yeah, you know, God didn't say to him, oh, Abraham, you're one day old in your faith. I'm going to give you a really big test on your first day as a follow. no he, this was a, a test came to him when he was mature in faith god waited until he was ready for it as he's seen god over all those years secondly if we read on in the bible we're actually told that seems abraham in his reasoning in his thinking actually reasoned that god was able to raise the dead uh, in the book of hebrews chapter 11 it comments on this and it says that Abraham reasoned that God was able to raise the dead. And figuratively speaking, it says, he in a sense did receive Isaac back from the dead. Isaac was almost as good as dead. And in a sense, Abraham did receive him back from the dead. Abraham knew that God is a God who could bring life where there was no life, when there was death. In one sense, Abraham and Sarah had actually seen already, hadn't they, in the birth of their son, Isaac, when Sarah was beyond the age of childbearing, when she was barren. And yet that barren woman, God brought a child. He brought life where there was no life, where it was miraculous. So Abraham reasoned that God, if he wanted to, could bring life from the dead. I think there's a little hint of this in verse 5 in our passage. If you look down at verse 5 of chapter 22, it says this, Then Abraham said to the young man, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. Abraham said, Yeah, we're going off to worship the Lord. He said, Isaac and I will come back to you. He reasoned that God could raise the dead. And then lastly, Abraham had come to fear and trust the Lord first. Uh, while Isaac was his dear, precious son, he did fear and love the Lord first, even more than his only son. Well, I don't know what uh, tests and trials you might have faced in your life already or what... I might have to face in the future what God might have in store for me and his plans for my life, or what God might have for us in the future. But will we imitate the faith of Abraham if we face tests and trials? Will we imitate his faith of putting God first, trusting him, whatever he calls to take us through, whatever good he wants to bring through what trials we might go through? Will we imitate the faith of Abraham when we face tests and trials ourselves? There's a Christian called John Newton. um, I think he's most famous for his part in abolishing uh, it a, a converted slave trader. But he wrote a song, actually, about some of the tests and trials he experienced in his faith. I wanted to uh, put these words up on the screen because I think they speak, actually, some of the tests and trials we might face and how God uses them. I'm going to read the whole of the song. It's six verses. So John Newton wrote this about his own experience of walking with the Lord. "'I asked the Lord that I might grow in faith and love "'and every grace,' My more of his salvation, know, and seek more earnestly his face. I hoped that in some favored hour at once he'd answer my request, and by his love's constraining power subdue my sins and give me rest. Instead of this, he made me feel the hidden evils of my heart, and let the angry powers of hell assault my soul in every part. Yea, more with his own hand he seemed intent to aggravate my woe, crossed all the fair designs I schemed, humbled my heart, and laid me low. Lord, why is this? I trembling cried. Will thou pursue thy worm to death? Tis in this way, the Lord replied, I answer prayer for grace and faith. These inward trials I employ from self and pride to set thee free and break thy schemes of earthly joy that thou may find thy all in me. Now some of the language there is quite old. I wouldn't use the word worm to describe anyone today. I wouldn't describe any of you as a worm language is quite old. But you see there, John used to say God used tests and trials to grow him in his faith. And, and God's word tells us that. We should be ready for it, prepared for that, and seek to imitate the faith of Abraham. That's the first part, then, of the narrative, the situation that it was Abraham demonstrated obedient faith in a surprising test. Let's go on to the second part of the story I want to draw out for us this morning. This is, uh, we see God's provision. How when God tests, he also provides. When God tests, he also provides. I guess it's from verse 6 to 14, so I'll read it again for us. Look down at verse 6. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, "'My father!' And he said, "'Here I am, my son.' He said, "'Behold the fire and the wood, "'but where is the lamb for a burnt offering?' He said, "Do not lay your hand on the boy, or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me." And Abram lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abram went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abram called the name of the place, "The Lord will provide," as it is said to this day on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. So we come to now to the heart of the story, uh, uh, the crucial part, where Abraham trusts the Lord to provide. He expresses his faith when he says, the Lord will provide. It seems as we reach this part of the story, the story, in some sense, seems to slow down as we reach the crucial part. And it's really detailed in the account of what happened that day. Try and imagine it, if you could, where uh, we're told that Abraham and Isaac are walking up uh, Mount Moriah. And Isaac uh, speaks up and he says to him, Dad, we've got fire, we've got wood, but where are we going to get a lamb for the sacrifice? Can you try and imagine what uh, thoughts must have been going through Abraham's mind as he hears that question from his only son? Can you imagine the emotion that must have been in Abraham's heart as his uh, son asks that question to him? I can't imagine what must have been going through his mind and his heart at that time, but he says to his son Isaac, the Lord will provide. Uh, God will provide a, a lamb for the sacrifice. He had faith in God there. As he, he said God will provide. And we're told then that he uh, builds the altar. He puts wood on the altar. He gets the altar ready. He puts Isaac and ties Isaac to the altar. And then uh, there's a dramatic moment as Abraham re- takes a knife out. He lifts the knife above him and he's ready to bring it down in obedience And just that moment, an angel intervenes. The angel says, Abraham, Abraham, do not lay a hand on the boy. It intervenes and stops it. And then we're told that Abraham and Isaac look aside and there's a ram caught in a thicket, which they sacrifice in the place of Isaac. So God provided the ram uh, to be the substitute for Isaac. So Isaac wouldn't have to be sacrificed. It's a substitute for Isaac's sin. So God won't hold his sins against the sins of Isaac against him. So this picture then of, of God providing. Now, of course, as we'll see, this very clearly points to the Lord Jesus and his provision, God's provision of Jesus for us as our substitutionary lamb to save us. And we are going to look at that more later. Uh, Jesus being God's provision for us as a, a saviour and our substitute, is his, him is the sacrificial lamb for us. But actually, as well as that, which we'll look at, I think there's another principle here as well, just simply that when we are tested by the Lord, he does provide for us as well. When we go through tests and trials which God might take us through, he does promise to provide us with what he thinks is right and best for us. That that if I'm facing tests, not that necessarily God might give me what I want, but God will give us what he thinks is best for us, what he thinks we need to strengthen us. That might be a reminder of his presence for us, a reassurance of his love, a reminder of his protection and provision of his strength for us. When God tests, He also provides. So if you are, I face tests today or in the future, we can go to the Lord and say, God, yeah, here you provided for Abraham when he was tested. Will you provide for me uh, as I'm being tested? I was trying to think of a a couple of new testament examples of this. I thought maybe of these two examples. So one, when um, the apostle Paul was in Corinth and Paul was trying to evangelize there and Paul was having quite a difficult time. It's in Acts chapter 18, if you want to read it. And it seems like Paul wanted to give up because of what a hard time it was. And we're told then, as Paul was going through that test of circumstances, that God appeared to him in the night. And God said to him, do not be afraid, keep on speaking, do not be silent, for I am with you. And no one is going to attack you and harm you because I have many people in, this, in that city. So God reassured him of his presence with him, that he was with him and he protected him, and that he would see fruit from his labours. And Paul was encouraged to persevere, I think thought of another example from the life of Paul when uh, Paul, you might know, had that time when he had a thorn in the flesh. We're not told what it was, but it was something very uncomfortable and difficult. And this thorn in the flesh, and he asked God, God, would you take this away from me? And God said, no, he wouldn't take it away. But God said his strength and his power would be perfected in Paul's weakness. So God provided him with a strength and power in, in that situation. He didn't provide him what he wanted, but he did provide for him in that context. So when we're tested, God provides. So I encourage you to take that to heart. Remember that when you, if and when, we as a church family, or you personally do face tests and trials in the future, to, to go to God say, would you provide for me in this test as you think best? There might be his strength, his presence, a reminder of his love, his provision for you, what he knows is right and what, you, what he thinks you need. There's a song he says, His grace has brought me safe thus far and his grace will lead me home. His grace will get us through those tests. So we've seen then the situation, obedient faith and a surprising test. We've seen when we're in the test, the Lord provides when we're test. And then last of all, we're going to see the result of the, what happened that day, the result, the outcome. And when we look at this, it seems that the result and the outcome of it was that both God's plan was revealed, God's heart was revealed, and God's faithfulness was demonstrated God's plan was revealed, His heart was revealed, and His faithfulness was demonstrated. Uh, I'm not pointing to one specific verse, but I think we see this throughout um, the account in Genesis 22. You know, when we look at this, we might well ask the question of you know, what was God's purpose in all of this? What was God wanting to do, to achieve? What was the point of this test which Abraham went through? And of course, we said it was to prove and strengthen Abraham's faith. I think as well there's actually another part and actually God was revealing things about himself both for Abraham and also for us and through this account we see both God's plan revealed God's heart revealed and also his faithfulness demonstrated so let's take take them in turn God's plan revealed I think we see God's plan revealed in the offering uh, the provision of the substitution the ram Uh, that ram was a substitute for Isaac so Isaac could be spared. That ram was given for the sins of Isaac, so he could be saved. And after have to bear that. His life is spared because of the substitution. And as it said in the passage, that, that took place on Mount Moriah. Now, I didn't know this, but when I was looking into this, uh, Mount Moriah actually eventually became the place where Solomon, King Solomon, built his temple. So it says in 2 Chronicles chapter 3, verse 1, then Solomon began to build the house of the Lord, the temple, in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah. So this site of this event, this testing of a very match, became the place where the temple was built, where all the sacrifices will be given for forgiveness, for atonement, where there'd be many uh, sacrifices given uh, for the forgiveness of sins. When we get to the New Testament, of course, Jesus himself is called the Lamb of God. John the Baptist said, "'Behold, the Lamb of God, "'he takes away the sins of the world.'" Jesus, uh, the substitute, provided for us. So what happened that day reveals God's plan. It's always God's plan to save through a substitute, a sacrifice in our place. And did you notice as well the day on which this took place? Do you notice the day which took place? Look down at verse 4 if you've got a Bible in front of you. In verse verse 4 it says this, On the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. So remember, Abraham was walking to the place where he'd sac- sacrifice, worship Lord. Abraham was going there with the faith that the Lord was the one who could raise the dead. And Abraham witnessed and experienced that on the third day. Let me ask you, can you think of anybody else? Do you know anybody else who was raised to life on the third day? Of course, it's Jesus, isn't it? Jesus was raised to life on the third day. He died and rose again for us, and he rose again on the third day as our sacrificial lamb substituting our place God's provision for us for our salvation so God's plan was revealed what's the thing we see God's heart revealed the place thing we see God's heart revealed is in the heart of Abraham obviously there's a father and a son and there's a father and a son in the cross where God gives his beloved son and think of the love which Abraham had for his son Isaac and how that points to the love of the father for his son Jesus Abraham clearly loved Isaac. He was his one and only son. He was dear to him, precious to him, and yet Abraham was willing to sacrifice him. But of course, Isaac, Isaac's life was spared, wasn't he? Isaac, Isaac didn't lose his life. Isaac's life was spared. But when God, God loved His one and only Son Jesus, He loved Him far more than any human father will love their son. And yet God didn't spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us. So you see, the Father's heart, both in His love for Jesus. And his love for us, what he would give for us. Reminds me of those famous verses, that famous verse, John 3:16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. See, the Father's heart, both in his love for the Son and in his love for us in providing Jesus. And then lastly, the, God's faithfulness demonstrated God's faithfulness demonstrated. I think we see this in the way God reaffirms the promises to Abraham. After Abraham has proved himself, proved his faith, God reaffirms the promises to him. So there in verse 16. By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son. I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. God reiterates his promises to Abraham In fact, actually, God does something he might not have seen before. Actually, God makes an oath. He swears. He makes an oath, a solemn oath where he swears to Abraham. I think it's important we see this isn't that Abraham earned these things, but his faith was rewarded as God blessed him, as he trusted the Lord. So God reiterates the promise, even gives an oath to him, demonstrating his faithfulness. This has been one of the things we've tried to bring out in this series in Abraham. Actually, God repeats his promises time and again. So God made the promises initially in chapter 12. Then he repeated them again in chapter 13. Then he repeated the promise again in chapter 15, in chapter 17, chapter 18. And here again in 22. God repeats his promises again and again and again. So as Abraham hears them, as we hear them, our faith in God will grow strong. And of course, all God's promises are eventually confirmed and fulfilled In Jesus, all God's promises are yes in Christ. So God's plan was revealed. His salvation through the giving of a sacrifice, giving of a substitute, points to Jesus as our God's provision for us, as our sacrificial lamb. God's heart was revealed. God's love for his own son is love for us in giving his son Jesus for us. And God's faithfulness demonstrated as the promises and the oath is reaffirmed. So let's take encouragement from this today as we see God revealing himself and let's prepare ourselves for whatever tests or trials might be ahead for us. If we do face tests and trials, go to the Lord and say, God, would you provide for me in this test and trial? Would you help me to imitate the faith of Abraham? Or would you help me to hold on to what I've seen of you in your word? Holding on to God's love and his provision for us and his faithfulness as you see in our passage today. Let me pray for us. Lord, we thank you for this amazing story. We thank you for the faith of Abraham as an example to us. But more than that, Lord, we thank you for what we've seen of you, Lord, of your plan of salvation, your heart, and your faithfulness. Lord, we thank you for Jesus, your provision, your sacrificial lamb for us. We pray for any of us here today who might be in testing and trying circumstances, Lord, that you provide for them. Help us, Lord, to be ready for whatever tests or trials uh, might be ahead for us. May our faith grow strong. And may we prove faithful, or just as you are faithful to us. In Jesus' name, amen.